Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Last week, uh, while we were gone, Pastor Greg uh, addressed the uh, Asbury Revival, Asbury University Revival. And uh, how many have heard about it? Yeah, everybody's heard about it, I guess. Yeah, amen. Amen. And uh, I, I, I so appreciated Pastor Greg's comments last week and the wisdom and, and counsel that he gave, uh, just spot on. And, uh, and so I want to uh, kind of reinforce those things today. And, and taking the time to do this, uh, we may be giving more attention to this than, than, than maybe is called for right now. But evidently people have questions and uh, people are asking things. And so you need to know how your pastors feel and uh, what the Lord is, is dealing with us about. And uh, so I want to reiterate just a few things that Pastor Greg already spoke on. And then, and then I want to talk, use this uh, move that's going on and talk about revival and some other uh, aspects in, in, in our response to revival. Uh, like, I, like Pastor Greg said last week, we don't know enough, even though this week we've learned more. I've Googled, a, you know, searched a few. I don't really use Google. I use a different engine. But I searched some things on the Internet, you know, and found out a little bit, not a whole lot. So, again, we don't know enough to make broad, sweeping judgments on what God is doing. But I do believe God is doing something. I absolutely do. And uh, we, this week we probably know a little bit more than we knew last week. But uh, Pastor Greg pointed out last week so, so accurately that... Uh, some people are writing about uh, what's going on. They visit there and they, you know, they write on social media. And, uh, you know, everybody knows, every single person in the room knows that social media is a miserable place for accurate information. It absolutely stinks most of the time. Amen. And so we should keep that in mind. Uh, as Pastor Greg said, many people are writing about it on social media and, and there's, and you know, uh, people can write whatever they want to, you know, and, and some people, uh, their opinions, they have a right to their opinions, but their opinions are poorly informed. Uh, you know, like they only went to one service, Pastor Greg read, I think some, some statement that somebody, I listened to the message, but seems like Pastor Greg read a, a, a post that somebody made, you know, of their comments. They went one time and they knew everything about it. Well, that's pretty ignorant. <laughs> uh, maybe even going to a few services. Uh, 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 hence, many of these opinions do not really reflect what's going on at Asbury. Uh, or at other colleges or universities where this revival has spread. Uh, honestly, it's too early to call it a revival. It might be. Because the term revival is cast in the within the framework of revivals down through the centuries. And even in, in recent times, in the last, you know, in the, in the young history of our nation. And so uh, uh, not everything that God is doing will end up being classified a revival. It can be called a movement or, you know, just, uh, and we're not opposed to it. Uh, but uh, it might be, it might turn out to be a, a really significant re- revival. It, it might turn out to be more of a movement, you know, that God's in. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing insignificant about that. Uh, but, you know, from my point, as from my perspective as a pastor, I want to know what reputable pastors and elders in the body of Christ who are carefully investigating this, I want to know what they have to say about it. More than people on the Internet, and we don't know where, where they're coming from, uh, we do realize that uh, people are writing with certain biases that they have, you know, built into their comments. Brother, uh, Pastor Greg, last week, you know, he mentioned, you know, people who talked to this one person said, you, no one is in charge, as if that was a good thing. Uh, it's, it would indicate that person likes nobody being in charge. 
and I don't know, and I'm making you know a, a, a characterization that you know is, might not be right, but that would seem to be the case that maybe he really doesn't like church and organization anyway. Uh, he pointed out that there was there were no big shot, you know, preachers, high powered, you know, showy preachers there. It could be that he doesn't like preachers. That would that would be the thought that would come to my mind. Of course, that's not scriptural. Uh, you know, he talked about no high tech. You know, staging, you know, no lights and, and all of that, you know, high octane worship bands, you know, it was all just very simple and everything. So, you know, evidently he doesn't like that. Uh, no offerings, you know, he just thought that was great that there were no offerings. Uh, well, you know, you can, you can readily discern where, where he's coming from there. Uh, but, you know, someone must be in charge. And, in fact, someone is in charge. Someone came up with what they're calling ground rules. Somebody came up with that and, and they must be in charge. And, and somebody is enforcing those ground rules because I did watch a few clips, you know, and so people are being instructed what to do. So, uh, so somebody's in charge and that is necessary and that is scriptural. Amen. Now, whoever's in charge needs to be qualified to be in charge and, and I'm not, uh, I don't know enough to make any judgment on that. But uh, it is scriptural for, for there to be order and, uh, in everything God's doing. Uh, and then it's unscriptural to disavow the importance of preachers. 1 Corinthians 12 says, And God, first of all, ordained set in the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He set them in the church. Amen. And uh, these, these ministry gifts, these ministers, ministry offices that men uh, carry when they're called of God into these uh, positions, these ministries have been sent from the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the apostle of our faith. He is in, in, in the, the consummate prophet. In his day, everybody recognized him to be a prophet unparalleled and, and remains he is, he is the consummate evangelist. He went everywhere preaching the gospel. He, he, he is the perfect example and of, the, of the shepherd because he's the good shepherd, the great shepherd. He was called teacher. So Jesus operated in those offices and he then shares that with men of, of flesh like, like you and me. He takes those offices of his and he distributes them to people. Well, they're necessary. What are they for? For the equipping of the saints. For the equipping of the saints. The church can't be equipped without it. And, and so that's not going to change. Regardless how God is moving, those things are not going to change. God's not going to violate that. And so for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the uh, edifying and building up of the body of Christ, till we come, like it says in Ephesians 4, to a place of maturity in Christ. We have to come to maturity, and so ministers are important. Uh, of course, taking up offerings, are, uh, that's scriptural. Now, I don't know how this revival uh, or this movement is being funded, but somebody's funding it. <laughs> Everything they're doing costs money. Somebody's funding it. Money is being spent, and it's coming from somewhere. I don't think it's George Soros. Money is coming from God's people somewhere. Now, it could be that a lot is being donated. You know, the, the chapel where this, where this occurred, and I think they've moved out of that now. You know, that, that it's the, the, uh, this started out as a chapel service conducted by a, a, a college, you know, uh, campus ministry team that were holding a, a chapel service there. The university wasn't running it. This, this uh, uh, campus university was running, or campus ministry was running it. And, uh, but the, but the, the school, it's a religious uh, university, so they are gracious, were graciously letting this thing go on. Somebody got to pay the bills. And, uh, and so now it's moved somewhere else. Is it on campus or out, off of campus? Off campus, well, that, has, that you know, usually has to be ridded, unless, again, somebody's contributing, but that's still an offering. So money's being spent. And so I'm, I'm guessing that offerings of some sort are likely being collected, whether traditionally, in a traditional manner or not, I don't know. 
So uh, I want to just, you know, give you my uh, observations on this. And it's clear to me that God is definitely doing something. Uh, obviously, the devil's not behind people coming forward and repenting of their sins and, uh, and, and believing on Christ and worshiping the Lord and testifying of his goodness. Uh, the devil's not in any of that. So God is definitely doing something. And I'm 100% for what God is doing. 100% for it. That doesn't mean that everything that happens or that unfolds will be 100% perfect. It has never happened that way. In any movement, revival, awakening, whatever you want to call it, uh, it's never happened that way. Every, I was just reading last night. I went back and picked up a book on my, on my, on, on my bookshelf about how, I, you know, most of you that go here know that my history is in the church of God. My wife and I both, both were, were, were born into families that attended the uh, uh, church of God and had been for a couple of generations. So we were raised in that. And so I went back and pulled a book off of my shelf uh, last night and just read how, how that, the church of God, which is, you know, spread all over the world, great, you know, move of God, uh, how it began. And uh, not everything that happened in those first few days and, and couple of years were, were perfect. It just never happens that way. So, you know, that's okay. We don't need to be overly judgmental of that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we need to be aware and offer wisdom and, and guidance. Amen? So I am a little, I'll tell you this, I'll admit I'm a little concerned, and I emphasize, you know, asterisk, asterisk, little concerned uh, for the possible arrogance of youth. And, you know, that is a thing. History, history demonstrates the arrogance of youth is a thing, not making it up. And I'm a little concerned for the possible arrogance of youth who might not be interested in the wisdom of true elders in the body of Christ. I don't know that that's true, but I'm a little concerned that it might be. Uh, and uh, uh, that, that would then... Uh, cause things not to go maybe as well as they should. But I will always be for the God part of any revival. And I will always try to bring help and balance to the fleshly part because there's always fleshly part. And so, uh, you know, having, I've pastored for nearly 43 years. This, this uh, June will be 43 years. So, uh, you know, you learn some things. And so uh, I will, like I said, I will always be for and in agreement with the God part of any revival. And it doesn't have to start here for me to endorse it and love it and support it. And, and, and I, like I said, I, was, I will always try to bring help and balance to the fleshly part if it, if it exists. Our church, Impact Family Church, should be a haven of safety and maturing for today's young people, freshly on fire with the Spirit of God. I'm excited when I see college campuses where people are assembling. Now, I know, and, and we need to understand, that in all of, on all of these college campuses, Christians already existed. And so, you know, it just, they came together. It's not, it's not necessarily like just a bunch of you know, ranked sinners on campus suddenly fell out under the power of God and got up thanking Jesus, you know. Uh, and that's not to take away from anything, but, but uh, it's still a part of the, of the calculus of this and the understanding of it. But I'm for it. I mean, when I see, when I, our college campuses, and, and I think it's spread, am I right in saying it's spreading mostly to other Christian campuses or, or the, uh, the other campuses, the secular campuses, uh, it, are are the are the are the universities or colleges giving them place, opening rooms for them, and that kind of thing, or that's mainly in public places? Yeah. So what I'm saying is, uh, uh, I'm for what God's doing, and it's thrilling to me to see college age uh, uh, young adults turning their hearts to the Lord and 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 worshiping the Lord, and uh, uh, they will need churches to go to. Amen. 
I remember, you've heard my, my testimony so many times, those of you who are regular here, of how I came back, got back into fellowship. I was a backslidden Christian uh, in my late teens and uh, in, 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 you know, young adulthood. My wife and I got married very early, seven, eight, seven, 17 and 16 years of age. And uh, we were away from God completely. And so when I got back into fellowship with the Lord, the Lord instructed me to go back to the church that I had been raised in and had gone to until I backslidden, you know, and, and when I left high school and just, you know, left God uh, or left the church had already, you know, been living a backslidden life. But the Lord it led me to go back and there was a, a wonderful move of God going on already there that wasn't there a few years earlier when I had attended as a teenager. Well, there was just a, and I call it a revival. And I'll talk about different kinds of revivals. And uh, I, I came out of, a, of the hippie lifestyle, and older people know what that is. You know, we were, we were rebellious. We, uh, uh, we were involved in, in, in drug use. It was pretty much our entire life, you know, was, was around that. Drugs, sex, drugs, and, and, and rock and roll, you know, that was it. And uh, when I came back and, and started going to church, I did not suspect to find what I found there. I found other young people my age, long-haired, you know, hippies and, and people with, that had come out of the drug culture were in this church. And this church was anything but that. It was an ultra-conservative church. 1972, early 1973, and that's the church that I had left and in, in didn't want anything to do with it. And it's the most unlikely place for, this to, for, for hippies to be gathering. And it was a church of about 300 people, maybe, I guess, around that, 300, maybe, maybe 350 on the Easter, you know. So it was a little bit larger than our church, and there weren't that many of us, but it was, it was notable because we didn't look like anybody else. And uh, it was remarkable how that church became, like I said a moment ago, a safe haven to, and, and the pastors that were there, uh, F.L. Braddock, the, the pastor who had come to our church when I was 10 years old that I, I dearly loved, very close to that family, uh, he was still there. And then Brother Harris, Reverend R.D. Harris, uh, followed uh, Brother Braddock. And uh, a few years later, and we were still there when, when he came. But those two pastors sh- just shepherded this thing and, and, and opened their doors so wisely, so, so, uh, so just, you know, uh, graciously, but, but in, such, in such wisdom. They just opened the doors and, and let us be ourselves. And yet we also immediately learned to just kind of, integrate into a church and we had we still had some rough edges and we weren't doing drugs or anything like that anymore you know but that's one of the first things you get rid of you know and uh uh but but still you know we were we were different and we were kind of kind of lawless and sort of you know out there and uh the pastors just brought us in you know i mean just welcomed us and just by becoming a part of that church, it brought wisdom into our lives. It brought balance into our lives and we began to grow in the Lord in a way we would not have if we had not found that church. And I dare say that there were other churches, I don't know, but I'm guessing there were other churches that would not have been as open as our church was. That would have immediately wanted to call us out, you know, didn't look right. We didn't act like, you know, they acted and and just want to change us and make us look like they did. Nobody in that church did. Now, some of the older men would laughingly and really good-naturedly, we knew it, they were just joking and being just, you know, they were kind. But they would just come in and say, you know, next Sunday, boy, I'm going to bring my razor. We're going to. We're going to straighten you boys up. I'm going to bring my shears and clippers and we're going to get you guys lined up, you know. And, and we would laugh, they would laugh. Uh, other churches probably wouldn't have been kidding about it. And, uh, and so I'm thankful the Lord led me back to that church. Praise the Lord. So FCF, uh, we should be open 
uh, to becoming this kind of, of safe haven for, for this generation. Amen? What did I say? Did I say FCF? I'm looking at IFC in my notes. I'm looking at it. Anyway, Impact Family Church, formerly FCF. So, (laughs) huh? 20 years ago, 22 years ago, 23 years ago, I think. Praise the Lord. Uh, We and other churches far and wide around the country and around the world, we've been praying for revival and for an awakening in our, awakening in our nation and, and, and in the earth for years, haven't we? We have. We shouldn't be surprised when it comes. I want to thank you. I, I can do this. Praise the Lord. Uh, I, want to, I want to read uh, a word from the Lord that, that the Lord gave me uh, back in October of 2013. And, uh, and because it talks about these things. So the, the Lord just uh, gave me this and it was a Sunday night service. And I said by the Spirit, there is coming to America a fresh visitation of God. There is coming to this nation a fresh, fresh visitation of God's power and of God's Spirit. Now I just, I, I, I typed this up exactly how I said, didn't edit it or anything. Uh, there is coming to this nation a fresh visitation of God's power and of God's spirit. And churches that have seen their membership and their attendance dwindle will see the crowds returning again. We're moving into a time, we're moving into a time again where church houses that respect and honor the move of the spirit will be filled again like they once were. Sunday night services will be filled like Sunday morning services. There is coming a hunger upon the people of this land and there is an inflow into the family of God in these last days and there is a move of God on. Now the enemy will fight this and darkness in our nation and around the world will grow worse. Men will grow darker still and the power of the, door, of the, of the devil will multiply. But at the same time, God is raising up a standard in these last days And the people of God will arise like never before, move in the power of the Spirit of God, and there will be a a great awakening and a turning to the Lord in this nation, and not just in salvation, but a return to the Lord and a turning to the Spirit of God. There will be church services that are conducted, and the enemy will send people into these church services to do harm. Now, this was in 2013. People with guns. People will come into church services intending to do harm and the Spirit of God will stop it. And they'll be unable to move and unable to operate and it will be by the Spirit of, by the standard of the Spirit of God in these last days and it'll come to pass. Hallelujah. This will come about as a result of prayer. The Spirit of the Lord is saying He has not turned a deaf ear to the prayers of His people and the prayers of the saints have ascended to Him, particularly praying for this nation and for a turn spiritually in this nation, and these prayers will be answered. God is not unfaithful to forget or or to not answer the prayers of his people. And services, like I said, on Sundays, people will be packing out houses of worship where the Spirit of the Lord is in manifestation and where the Word of God is ministered. But it's not just Sundays, Wednesday night services, special services like we have on Monday night. People will fill church auditoriums to get involved in these last days. I'm telling you, church, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Glory to God. Before Jesus returns, there will be a powerful witness in this earth. Glory to God. So don't be discouraged. I'm still still reading. Don't look at the world. Don't look at the nation. Don't look at things going on and be discouraged. Know that God has a plan and he will move again in ways that our hearts have longed for a long time. Oh, it's coming. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, here's the million-dollar question, because somebody's asked me this this week. Is this that? That is the million-dollar question, isn't it? Well, the answer is no. What we're seeing is not this. Not yet. It could be. It could could become that. It could be the beginning of what was spoken here or not. Well, that's really helpful, Pastor. Thank you for clarifying that. I, uh, I note two things. 
We have, now, now listen, we have long known that revival usually arises in the most unlikely places and God often uses unlikely people to spearhead what he's doing. That is unlikely to us. Now that's, that history bears that out. People that nobody had ever heard of in an obscure place, revival breaks out and, and some revivals have, have swept the nation and, uh, and changed the course of history and they started out with people nobody had heard of. Amen. That often happens. It's also often been said that when revival comes, it probably won't look like what we expect it to look like. We've said that. We've, we've worn that many times around here. It's not going to look like what we expect. If it, was, if it was what we already had, it wouldn't be revival. Except that we, we have a spirit of revival in this church. God's moving. But what I'm saying, when, when revival comes to make change, it brings change. Amen. So let us beware of any so-called revival that doesn't exhibit good fruit. But also we should beware of too quickly discounting something that God is doing. Just need to be careful. Amen. I'm going to ask a question. We've all heard about the Asbury University Revival 2023. Everybody's heard about it. How many of you, before this current revival broke out, how many of you had heard of the 1970 revival on Asbury, at Asbury University? You had heard about it. Anybody else? You, had, you already knew about it? You had heard about it? I, I hadn't. Now, what I'm going to say, it might sound, start out sounding like this is, this is a criticism. It really isn't. Uh, I'm just saying... Uh, now, I was lim- let me first say this. I was limitedly influenced uh, by the Jesus, Jesus movement in the 1970s. I don't call it the Jesus revival. I know there's a movie out called The Jesus Revolution. Uh, uh, it did not change the nation, but it was of God. And I was slightly involved in it and slightly uh, uh, influenced by it. Because when I came back to, into fellowship the Lord, I was in a, a motel room in Brooksville, Florida, running from God. I was a small-time drug dealer, been dealing drugs in that little town. And that's really dangerous to deal drugs when you're out of town and you don't know who the police are. You don't know who to look out. You don't know anything. It's very dangerous. But uh, I was running from God. You've heard the story. And uh, in my motel room alone, uh, I picked up the Bible and my intention was to prove to myself that it was not true because I had been raised in church and I knew doctrine, I knew a lot of scripture. So my intention was to, I was really wanting to finally, once and for all, flush Christ out of my life. Thank God I didn't succeed. But that was my intention. So I picked up the Bible and started reading. And as I just started in in you know, there's an Old Testament and New Testament, so it makes sense to read the New. The New replaces the Old, right? I had that much sense. Started reading, and Jesus just came right out of the pages of the Gospels and just came into my room, transformed my life. Uh, I was listening to Billy Graham on, on TV uh, a night or two, two uh, while this was going on. Uh, now, among my friends, I was, I, was, I was living that hippie lifestyle. That's who I ran with, all of my friends. None of my friends, not one of my friends, I don't know that any of them had ever been to church. They might have been. There might have been some Catholics maybe that I didn't know about. You know. But no, nobody uh, uh, seemed to have any knowledge of God. And I did not know there was a Jesus movement going on. It started in the 60s. I knew nothing about it. And started, I think, primarily out on the West Coast. And, and, and I know there was this big revival in, in Asbury, and I'm getting to that. I didn't know anything about the Jesus movement. But when I started coming to church, I walked into this church that, that, that would, I would have never suspected to see anybody else there that looked like me when I came in. And there were these other young people, basically off the streets, that were attending this church. 
And they had been saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and on fire for God, and the church had welcomed them. And I walked in, I thought, wow, this is something. Now, it wasn't too long after that, I discuss, and I don't, I don't remember, uh, you know, it was 50 years ago. I don't remember if, if these, some of these friends that I found in the church, I don't, I don't think that they were brought in, that they came out of the Jesus movement, but they could have. I just don't know. I don't remember that part. Uh, but before too long, I became aware that there was a, 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 a movement, you know, a revival among hippies. That, that was going on. And I remember a uh, traveling uh, ministry team of, of Jesus. We called, them, we called ourselves Jesus Freaks. And I took that label. We loved being called freaks. We liked being called freaks when we were unsaved and we liked it still, you know. And uh, I don't know why, but we did. But uh, uh, this, this team of, of, of traveling hippie Christians had come to Jacksonville. They had a tent. It probably seated, you know, three, four hundred people, maybe two hundred. I don't know. I don't, it was a tent, you know. And they set it up somewhere in, in, an, in an empty lot somewhere in Jacksonville. And I went to it, and I don't, still don't remember where it was. So we went to that because we found people looked like us, you know. And they were praising God and loving Jesus. So we went. My friends from this church, you know, this, that, that, I'd, that I'd met, we all went. And uh, I, they, this teams from this from this, this group was called Christ is the Answer. That was the name of their ministry. And they had a big, they had a tent with Christ is the Answer banner over it, you know. And, and they would go out during the day and go out on the streets downtown and other places like the Hemming Park in Jacksonville was safe to go to then. And uh, there were people there and sometimes it was homeless people, mostly business people, you know. And uh, they would go down and witness. Well, I joined them. I went out, you know, on the streets, went downtown with them, you know, because I was, you know, I loved to do that anyway, you know. We'd already started that. This team came, we, we went with them, you know, and we went out to, on the streets and witnessed to, to people. And, you know, if we found, I don't remember how many people we led to the Lord, but, but we had invited them to that tent meeting at night, you know, so we went. So I was, in that sense, I was influenced by the Jesus movement. So I, I wasn't, I'm saying that to say I wasn't as knowledgeable about what God was doing across the country in the Jesus movement. I really didn't know the origins of it. So uh, I didn't know about what had happened in 1970 at Asbury, that revival. What happened in, in 1970 at Asbury University is almost exactly what's happening now. If you, I, I looked at some videos over the weekend, and the services look exactly the same. You know, the style of clothing is a little bit different, you know, the college students, but, but it's the exact same thing that's going on now. And I, and I found out that that wasn't, 1970 wasn't the first time it's happened there. It happened, I think, in 1920-something. And I don't know if that was the same chapel, but the, the chapel they're in now is the same one that they were in in, in 1970. It's the very same chapel. And uh, so this, this university has a culture, and I'm sure it's a Christian university. People go there, they learn that history. So there is a culture of that. They have a model to follow. And that might sound like I'm saying, you know, this is man, it's not God, that's not what I'm saying. But it's still true. They had a model, they had a history, okay? And the reason I ask how many of you had heard of it is because it did not reach the nation. It didn't. I didn't hear about it. None of, none of the, we have people here old enough to, to remember those days. And, and only, only Jackie remembered it. Uh, did you remember it during the time or did you find out later? Okay. Okay, okay, wonderful. She had heard about it. I don't know if you heard her. She was in college and she heard about it. It was going on in college campuses. Uh, it, it didn't reach the nation. And without the advent of social media, what has happened in this year's morning chapel service that ended up going for several days would, be, would still be largely unknown to, the, to us and to the nation. It would be without social media. And, and, and we should use social, social media. I'm all for it. I believe in it. We should use every avenue for, for reaching people. I'm just making a comparison that the spread of this is, is being propelled by, with tools that were not available earlier. And so uh, 
I'm going to compare this with other revivals that have truly changed the course of history. The 1971 and the one before that didn't, but God was in it. Uh, What God did in these other revivals that I'm going to mention became legendary and, and have stood the test of time and history. They're in our history books. Well, they were until a few years ago, I guess. The first great awakening in our nation in, uh, started, I'm going to give the first year, you know, that, that where its genesis is, was in 1735. So early in the 18th century was the first great awakening. And it really transformed the, uh, the life of our nation and the colonies. It was a move of God that, that we're still benefiting from today. It, it, it influenced government and, and people in office. It, it influenced a lot of things. And uh, so there was a great awakening that's called the Great Awakening. And then there was another one called the Second Great Awakening. Probably wasn't as great as the first, but it was still great. And it, was, it, it happened in the end of the 18th century, about 1780s and 90s, and over into 1800. That was the Second Great Awakening. And it resulted in a, a huge amount of churches being multiplied. It, it wasn't so much a a revival of, of morals like the first, gener- uh, the first Great Awakening. It was more of a revival of God's people and the establishing and the extension of churches. Denominations that were there and were tiny, vastly enlarged. I mean, the, the number of congregations, the number of churches, the number of people in them greatly increased. And so that had a, a real lasting effect on our nation. Then in the mid-19th century, uh, Charles Finney's revivals, uh, now, they didn't affect the nation like these other... This revival didn't affect the nation like these other two did. It was mostly consecrated in New York and, you know, in the, in the, above that, you know, up into New England. And th- that part of the country was primarily what, that, uh, the area that was affected. And it was profound. And people are writing, people have written about it, and it's, it's a thing of history. And, and again, it's, it was a legendary move of God, just a little bit different. Uh, there was a healing, and there were other uh, moves. I, I kind of skipped over them. There was a holiness revival in the late 19th century, the late 1800s, like 1898, uh, 90, you know, 88, 98, during that time. There was a holiness revival that's, that is, is profound because the church, that, the church of God and all of the, really, the Pentecostal denominations that was the, the, uh, the, the springboard. That's, that's really what set the pace and ushered in those moves. And they're lasting. They've changed the nation. Out of that, of course, came the Pentecostal outpouring uh, in the early 20th, early 20th century. Actually, in the church of God, people were, began to speak with other tongues in the mountains of, of southern Tennessee and, and in North Carolina and in Georgia in 1896, they first began. We always talk about the Azusa revival that happened in 1906, and that was the beginning of the Pentecostal outpouring. Well, be careful. To, be, always be careful to claim you're the first, <laughs> because we're not the first in anything. And uh, so, so uh, that great uh, did I say charismatic? The Pentecostal outpouring. Yeah, the Pentecostal outpouring of the early 20th century spread so rapidly, it immediately went worldwide. People came from everywhere in the world, heard about it by word of mouth. The newspapers were carrying it, and, and it spread like wildfire, and it, and it changed the world. Uh, there was a healing revival in the 1940s, started in 1947, went through 1958. It was, it was primarily uh, uh, limited to Pentecostal churches, though, although there was witness of it in the nation. Because at this time, uh, uh, Billy Graham was on television. He was holding crusades in America and they were being televised. And Oral Roberts was also on television. And now all of the, of the churches, particularly the church, the domination that uh, is full of Southern people, uh, you know, we're, we're completely against the move of the Holy Ghost and healing. 
So it was, so it was uh, repudiated, you know, and, and spoken against. But nevertheless, Oral Roberts was on the cover, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, of Life magazine in his big tents because tens of thousands of people were coming to his meetings and others. So it affected the nation. It, it mainly uh, invigorated the Pentecostals and, and brought back the truth of healing that had, had begun to slip away in the Pentecostal domination. It was, it was a great revival. Uh, it wasn't like the Great Awakening. Uh, there was also something called the Latter Rain along about that time, and I'm not really sure historically where it fit in, but I, I remember reading about it. There was a, a great revival called the Charismatic Renewal. Charismatics, in 1960, when the Charismatic Renew, Renewal started, uh, I'll finish this up pretty quick. Uh, in 1960, Charismatics didn't want to be called Pentecostals. Though they were being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues, that, because Pentecostals look different than everybody else. <laughs> and, and Charismatics were, were mostly uh, uh, people from the mainline churches, and they, you know, they wore lipstick and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and had nice clothes and, and uh, so on. And, and Pentecostals had a problem with any, any woman wearing lipstick. How in the world could you be saved and have on lipstick? I'm just grateful for lipstick. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm grateful for makeup. Not that my wife needs any, but some women do. I better, I better get off of this. There was a great charismatic movement. It's referred to usually as the charismatic renewal. Uh, and, and it, it changed the churches. All denominations were affected. It, I mean, all, virtually around the world, except maybe, you know, the Dutch reformed in, in Russia. Or so. I mean, all around the world, all of the major denominations had to admit that speaking with tongues had not passed away like they had been taught and had, and had fervently preached, you know, all of these years with great resistance. The Holy Ghost just broke out in all of these denominations. It was a phenomenal revival. I call it a revival or a movement, whatever. From 1960 to around 1980, the Word of Faith movement uh, started in 1973. Uh, Kenneth Hagin, of course, was the, was the predominant leader of that. And really, when, when Brother Hagin had, he had a camp meeting in Tulsa in 1973 that was in a church that was auditorium smaller than this. There was about 200 people there, if I remember, and by 19, that was 1973. By 1976, the meetings had been moved to the Tulsa Convention Center, and, and it was packed. So it was a very rapidly moved. That's a, that's a move. That's a revival. I mean, it you know, uh, brought us the, the revelation of, of, of who we are in Christ and faith and our authority and so forth that we, that we live by. Uh, you know, there was that, that then, Brother Hagin also uh, brought to the forefront the concept of the Word and Spirit revival when he started having Holy Ghost meetings uh, in 1994. There was a great revival in one church in Brownsville, Brownsville Assembly of God in, in uh, Pensacola, Florida, in 1995. That was a tremendous revival. It was mostly resident in that church. Now, people came from other churches, but I'm not sure that it caught on everywhere like it did there. It was a great revival. It's wonderful. Uh, each of these revivals or movements resulted in sweeping change to the nation or parts of the nation or to denominations or to interdenominations like the, like the charismatic or simply to an individual church. You know, the church that I started going back to in 1970, end of 1972, 1973, uh, there was, there was a revival in that church, and it lasted. We, my wife and I left there in 1978 to go to a Rama church one year before we went left to go to Tulsa to, to go to Rama Bible Training Center. And, uh, but during those years, there was constant, a spirit of revival, very much the same as we have in our church. There's a spirit of revival in our church. So, so there are different kinds of revivals and different scopes of revival. And uh, so I'm not sure what's going to happen with what's going on today. But I'm telling you, whatever God's in, I'm for. So what should we do? Well, we as Impact, not I, not Faith Christian Fellowship, but Impact Family Church, we are not going to chase the latest spiritual phenomenon. We're not going to do that. 
And we're going to continue doing what we're doing, which is consecrating ourselves, seeking God's will and God's way. And it's, and it's God's will and his way is all found right here. We're not experience uh, seekers. We're word experience seekers. We want what God has. We're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to be faithful to the vision, the heavenly vision that God gave this church, which is to open men's eyes, to turn them from darkness to night to light, and to uh, bring in the fullness of salvation and our inheritance in Christ, to be a minister and a witness of these things. We're going to continue to do that. That's what we've been called to do. We're going to continue to pray for revival. We're going to continue to believe for revival. We're going to continue to preach and teach the solid word of God. In other words, good doctrine. Paul told Timothy, he said, preach the word. And he said, be, be very attentive to doctrine, to teaching. He even said to, to Timothy, he said, the, 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 el, the bishops, the pastors that are you're raising up, they must be able to teach. That doesn't mean they're teachers per se, but they ought to be able to lay down line upon line doctrine because that's what keeps the church safe because it's of God. Uh, and we should contend, and we're going to continue to, to continue to contend for the presence of God in all of our services. We're going to, and we're going to yield to the Holy Ghost as he wants to move. So those last one, two, three, those last four things were one thing. We're going to continue doing what we're doing. Number three, we're going to be ready to apply, or, or we're going to be ready to bring our supply of the Word and the Spirit to whatever God is doing. We're going to bring our supply. Amen. We're going to be here. We're going to be available. And we're going to help others who need what we have. And that doesn't mean we're, we're greater than anybody else or we have something that nobody else has. We just have what we have. And we're going to be here to bring this supply. And uh, if we continue in these things that I just said, we will not miss out on what God is doing in these last days. We will not miss out. Now, now I'm not saying that this current uh, student revival is the real thing. I, I'm not saying that, I, and I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying whatever God's doing, we're going to be in on it. I'm determined to be in on it. I'm going to close with this, really. Kenneth Hagin talked about the fact that he got in on every move of God of his time. When he got back, when he, when he got saved and started preaching, he very quickly was filled with the Holy Spirit and started associating with Pentecostal people. And there was no, this was a lull between the beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the, in the beginning of the, night of the 20th century. And this happened in the 1930s for Brother Hagin. He started preaching. The Lord, the Lord he was praying and the, and the Lord spoke to him and said, there is coming, this was in, in, in 1945, at the end of World War II, there is coming a revival of divine healing to America. And it, and it came to pass, Brother Hagen actually in, in several, in a couple of services that I'm, that I'm uh, aware of, he got up and he spoke that out, what the Lord gave him by the unction of the Holy Ghost. And because of the status of the prophetic office that he operated in, his words anointed by the Holy Ghost helped launch that healing anointing and that healing, that healing revival. And so he got in on it. He started advertising with all the other healing, healing evangelists were popping up everywhere. He was a teacher, not an evangelist, but he got on board. He started advertising. There was a, a, a magazine called The Voice of Healing. Pastor Nancy Dufresne has, I don't know if she has all the copies, but she's got several volumes of those individual Voice of Healing magazines. In, in there at the church. It's hard for me not to covet that. <laughs> so I go in and look at it and I look around. Is there anybody watching me? <laughs> Brother Hagen started associating with all those healing. Now, they weren't all perfect. There was some excess going on, but he got in on that wave and he wrote it and God used him in a great way. When the charismatic uh, revival broke, Brother Hagen got in on that too. He started associating with full gospel businessmen, a glow, the, some of the, the uh, inter-church organizations that were coming up. And it was the perfect uh, atmosphere, the perfect uh, uh, setup or milieu for Brother Hagen's ministry. It was, it was perfect for him to launch that teaching ministry. 
And he got in on that. He was a, a leader, you know, in, in, in conferences and so forth all during that time. Of course, he was used to bring, uh, to usher in the Word of Faith movement. He was involved all of his ministry life. He was involved in everything God was doing. Lester Summerall was like that. T.L. Osborne was, was also like that. Now, they were both missionaries and they were gone a lot. So they didn't get as visibly as involved a brother, as Brother Hagen did, but they believed all the things that we believed and that Dad Hagen taught. And, and when, and in their later years, when they came back off of the mission field and kind of were in America more, they came to our meetings and, and God honored them and they had a great supply and did camp meetings and so forth. So what I'm saying is these ministers had the wisdom to get in on what God was doing and not just stick a flag in the dirt and say, well, this is where we are and we're not going with anybody else but us. They don't look like us, act like us, smell like us. You're not us. No, this church is gonna be involved in what God's doing. We always will be because we're gonna continue to seek God. And I'm telling, I don't know about this revival. I like, I want to be clear, I like the good that I'm seeing. I like it. I, I'm in favor of it. And, and I know God's moving. And uh, I don't know where it's going, but I know where we're going. Amen. The revival that I spoke of in 2013, it's coming. And it's coming. And we're not good. This church is not going to miss it. We are not going to miss out. Let's stand. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We're grateful, Lord, that it doesn't have to look like us. <laughs> what you're doing doesn't have to look like what you've done before, Lord. Hallelujah. Because you're bigger <coughs> than our experience. <coughs> you're bigger than <coughs> excuse me. You're bigger than our culture, Lord. Glory to God. So we thank you, Father, for what you're doing. We're grateful. We thank you for the, for the student revival at Asbury University. We're thankful for it. We're thankful, Father, for the other campuses and, and other locations around the church that, have, that it has spilled out into. We're thankful, Father. The people are being saved. The Christians are, are that living in the flesh and backslidden lives are rededicating and, and, and consecrating their life to the Lord. We thank you for all of that, Father. We thank you for people being saved. We're thankful, Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, Father, we, we purpose in our heart to be open to you. Follow your leading. Hallelujah. And we know we have something to contribute. That's not being prideful, Lord. We have something to contribute. You've invested much in this church over the 40 years. Rich, a rich supply of the Spirit. And we make that available to you, Father, in any way you want to use it. In the, in the days ahead, months, years, should Jesus return, when, when, when your power and glory is being poured out like never before, Father, we, we offer ourselves and we welcome what you're doing, Lord. In Jesus' name, glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.